Hey, Peace Nicks. Today's podcast, today's podcast is one of those podcasts I get to do where I'm reminded that I'm doing something bigger than myself. Meeting people like Tezza is why I got into podcasting. She's an artist and writer. She's a spiritual person, a yogi. She's been all over the world, and she sees hope in humanity. In this new world of political division and COVID and shootings and riots and what happened with Roe versus Wade and all these things happening in the world, she sees this as our rock bottom. But she's optimistic about seeing that, you know, when people hit their rock bottom, what happens? They either die or they wake up to reality and get help, get better. They heal. Tezza thinks that this is what is going to happen to the collective. From this place where we are right now, we will begin to heal and grow and awaken consciously to a higher existence. One that lives in alignment with nature instead of constantly at war with it. She's an author. I just finished her audiobook, Hybrid Vigor. Great and powerful listen. If you have Audible, check it out. And that's Hybrid Vigor by Tezza Lord. Also, her books are available on Amazon and her website, tezzalord.com. That's T-E-Z-A-L-O-R-D.com. Also, check out her podcast. She does a podcast with her husband called Z Lord Podcast. Z Lord Podcast. This was a fun conversation. Uh, I was very excited to get to talk to her. So let's go ahead and dive in. America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug Drugs are menacing our society. Any thoughts on the drug problem? I had a great time doing drugs. So tonight, from our family to yours, from our home to yours, thank you for joining us. This is the peace on drugs. I am in, I am in uh, Southwest Florida. Oh, okay. I'm in St. Augustine. Oh, awesome. My sister's actually moving there um, in a few months, so I'm excited to be a little closer to her. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. St. Augustine, Augustine is a great place. Yeah, it definitely uh, is one of our favorite places because we, I, my family's from North Carolina, so when I go to visit them, we stop at St. Augustine and stay there on the way. Right. <laughs> I just came back from the beach. That's why I was a little late. <laughs> no, no worries. Yeah. I'll be on the beach in about an hour and a half or in a two hours. Great. We, uh, we work on the beach, so I got to go down there and play some music. Ah, uh-huh. good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so thanks for doing the podcast. Um, I, uh, I didn't know that you had a podcast. You might have said so. I'm just very scatterbrained, but I listened to some of it today. And um, uh-huh. the, one, the one you did solo, talking about the uh, people saying, you know, worry is the world worse off than it is. You know, people, everybody's doing right. this day. And my yeah. family is my family's very religious and they, um, mm-hmm. they believe mm. it is the end of times, the rapture's coming, um, all this stuff. And, yeah. and when I see everything happening, not to say that I, I, I definitely don't believe in that stuff. It's weird, but I, I do think that there could be a, a way of a self-fulfilling prophecy. If all these people believe it's the end and kind of want it to be the end, then it's not, mm. a, good, it's not a healthy thing. Well, that's why people like you and me have to do all the work that we can to, um, you know, and negate all that negativity with positive vibes and love. And, you know, it's it how we think is how we are, even as a society. So yeah. The doomsday people, they may just all create doomsday for themselves, but there's other people who are not going to be there with them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm definitely not there with them either. I think. I think with with our new technologies and everything we have in the world, we can use it to self-destruct or we can use it to build the most beautiful planet that we've ever seen um, and, and where we all can get along so much better. 
And I was reading um, Yuval Noah Harari's book. I think it was Sapiens, but he was talking about how that the Earth is actually <laughs> a much safer place to live today than it has been in, in the history throughout the history of humanity. Oh yeah, um, but he's pretty yeah. forward thinker, isn't he? Sa- did you read Sapiens? Or are you yeah. talking about the second book I, he had? It was either, I read all three of them. <laughs> um, oh. I, I, did, I did the audio books for the other two, and I, I think it was Sapiens that I'm thinking of, where he said uh-huh. the. Um, that the earth's actually safer, but we don't see it that way because of the news. When you watch the news and you're watching, <laughs> you're seeing all the very worst things yeah. that are happening. And if you think that's yeah. what the world is, people forget to like, look at your own life. Look at when you go out to the store, when you go out to work, like how much violence are you seeing day to day? And you're not seeing, yeah. I, I never see it. It does happen. And it's sad <laughs> when it does. But. Sensationalism sells, you know, news would be very boring if people said, okay, it's a great world out there. And we're getting closer and closer to becoming enlightened. And 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 in peace. I mean, nobody would buy a newspaper. Nobody would tune in. I mean, they just, are, you know, the whole entertainment world and news world feeds off controversy and drama. That's why they do it. It does. They call it like the negative bias because I think through, throughout evolution, if the things that were negative that could affect us negatively, it could potentially kill us. So we had to make pay, pay close attention to the negative things. The, like if there was, there was the analogy that was used was or the example that was used was if there was fruit on a tree, we could run up and grab the fruit and eat. But if there was a, a lion waiting on the corner, that would be the end of us. But if we waited mm-hmm. and were very cautious and made sure we, we checked our surroundings, the fruit will still be there so we can wait. And that's why na- we, we focus on the negative much more than the positive. Yeah, that's a good analogy. To be aware is the, is the trick. To have mm-hmm. expanded awareness and to see and to recognize as much as you can. And there have been other civilizations on this planet that have disappeared. So... You know, that's an inevitability. How many cats do you have? Just the one. I didn't know he was in oh. here. I, I, I got the door closed. I probably let him out. Uh-huh. Yeah, actually, if you don't mind, I'm just going to throw him out of the room real quick. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, he... Sorry, right. I love cats, but unfortunately, I have an allergy. My body, it just changed, you know. And oh, you have stinks. to accept the way the body, I know it stinks, but anyway, I can I can pet their auras. Yeah. <laughs> around them. They can feel it. You yeah. know, you can you go up to a cat and they cats always know who's allergic to them because yeah. they they sense the vibe, you know, and they come right for you and and I just pet their aura and they're happy, then they go away. <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. love my cats. I, I I have a slight allergy, but not bad enough to really affect me. But, you know, eyes itch and stuff if it gets too close to my head. But yeah, oh, yeah and I always want to just bury my face in the fur. You know, I can never just stop halfway. If the cat's around me, I want to just like you know snuggle with it. So that sets everything off. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's uh, one of the things that you talk. I mean, you you have a really deep love for animals. You talk about that in your book, and yeah, there was right. Yeah. You, you, you were, you... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Were you reading Hybrid Vigor? Yeah. Is that the, that's the one that you chose to read? I got that's the, good. I, I got the audio book. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I've been listening to it. And yeah, it's uh, I, the one part you were swimming with dolphins in the wild. And I was so jealous. I've swam with dolphins. I swam with them in uh, the Cayman Islands. They have a, like a, where they heal the ones that get injured. So you can swim oh, with yeah, the yeah. dolphins there. Right. And that was uh, really awesome. Yeah. Well, that particular story was uh, so amazing to me too. That's why I had to write about it where I just wanted to test okay they say that we can communicate without 
speaking to the cetacean world, the whales, the dolphins. And so I, I, that's what I was doing. I was testing. I was sending out this vibration just silently. And a scout came <laughs> almost instantly. And you remember the rest of the story. The scout came and then the others came. And pretty soon there's a whole pod, like 30 yeah. of them. And, and I just felt so blessed to have that experience. Really blessed. Yeah, that's amazing. This, the, uh, just to be on the wild, you know, I'm living here in Florida. I see dolphins all the time. And, and I'm always, when I'm playing music on the beach, I just keep my eyes on the water because it makes my day when I see a dolphin jump up out of the water. Yeah. And they're out there, even, even in uh, warm uh, weather like now. We, I live right off the intercoastal waterway and the dolphins are there. Usually they don't come in because it's hot. It's hot. You know, the uh, ocean today is 85 degrees. And that's perfect for me. I mean, I don't like to even get into it unless it's like 80 something. So yeah. uh, for them to come inland like that, they just, they just are just jolly characters, you know, they're just checking everything out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're very playful. I, um, the, when I, I got into fishing when I first moved down here and I, I don't do that anymore. I don't, I don't just kind of grew out of it, but I noticed that the fishermen hated the dolphins when they came because they said they scare away the fish. And I'm like, I'd rather see the dolphins than catch any fish. I don't care about yeah. catching the fish. And and they, they, they would come up and it was just so funny. We, I wanted, uh, My buddies had a bait fish and he threw it to, to an osprey to get and the dolphin ran out and stole it from the osprey. Just seeing that kind of nature, stuff like that right. is so cool. Well, people like that who can't take a moment from their pattern, you know, they think, okay, this is what life is or this is who I am. I'm a fisherman. I got a fish. And they can't like alter their like set pattern for a few minutes even to just enjoy the delight and the spontaneity of, of a dolphin appearing. I mean, I, that's really sad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I, um, I, I just like I say, I just I like being in nature. I got into fishing to be at the beach, not to catch fish. Mm-hmm. It was like, and now that's why I don't do it anymore. I guess because like I can just go to the beach and just hang out. And I have to, it's a lot yeah. Of work. But um, my mom was a fisherman. She was embarrassed because my motto is you catch it i'll cook it (laughs) i don't really like to i have no patience but uh i'm surrounded in a family with fishermen but i i love to cook it even when i experimented with vegetarianism but fish is really good to eat my mother lived to be 97 and a half because she ate fish like you know six times a week and she would bury the guts under her garden and her garden was so profuse and beautiful she never used fertilizer she just oh, wow. used like cow manure horse manure and and um fish guts <laughs> make me want to get back into fishing because i and i do think it's one of the best if you're one of the most the, the environmentally friendly is if you hunt your own fish because mm-hmm. they, they regulate it very well with the pot keep making sure the populations don't go down yeah, and then that fish lives a, a good life it's you know it's, i mean it's the circle of nature yeah and, and i didn't know about you could use it in your garden because that would be awesome my mother called it her meditation she now I'm a formal kind of meditative person, you know, like I like to do rituals, but she would call it her meditation and she would have her lines out. And usually she had two lines out and she would read a book in between. And while she was waiting for the fish to bite, she didn't like visiting that much with other fishermen, but she, she used that as a time to just be peaceful and calm while you're waiting. So it's funny that I don't like it. I, it's just one of those things where I don't know hooks and worms and you know bait and stuff like that. It's just don't turn me yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, I, we, we use live shrimp and I hate it because you have to reach them. They're jumping around. It's just really mm. not, 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 it's not my thing, but it's, um, it's I enjoy fishing a little bit, but I just enjoy being at the beach. Yeah, 
<laughs> this is a good topic for uh, a podcast that, that deals with uh, what's the name of your podcast? It's the like peace, peace on, on drugs. drugs. <laughs> yeah, Dr- fishing is drugs. <laughs> yeah, well, I um I've, I've been baiting the uh, pivoting the podcast a little bit to do more of the piece on different things. I just did, we did mm-hmm. a, piece, a piece on abortion recently, talking about the Roe versus Wade thing. Oh. But I was I was, oh, I, I had all these. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a. I mean, and everybody's on different sides. Like some, some of my family are celebrating it and some women are terrified. Most, I mean, it's just, I think think it's a horrible thing personally, but. You know, it's, it's one of those mysteries of life where I just know it'll work out. The swinging of the pendulum, anything that has to do with politics or society, it's like, it swings and then it goes back the other way and it swings and and it goes back the other way. And there's going to be a lot of death. The people who, who call themselves pro-lifers, they don't realize how many women are going to die because of, they're still going to need abortions. And a lot of women are going to die. And it's really sad because I call myself a pro-lifer because I'm pro-life, but I'm right. a pro-choice too person because everybody should have a choice over their body. So I can understand both sides of the argument, but it's totally political. It, it is political, and, and it'll the, it'll get worked out. I know it. Will, I know it'll get worked out. I hope it. I really hope it does. And and they they use Christianity to to justify their views, but the Bible has says nothing about abortion. It and, and yeah. it gets into the debate of well, it says thou shalt not kill, but you have to. Uh, you have to say that that's a life before it's born. And I feel like if it was such an issue for the God, which I, I mean, I, I hate that we have to even argue about this book when talking about political things, but it's mm-hmm. important when half the country is hardcore mm-hmm. believes in this stuff. But the, the idea is that if it was that important to your God, why wouldn't he actually just come out and say exactly that? It's, and then they pick and choose what they want. People who use the Bible, they, they can find any argument whatsoever. They'll just find the, the certain passage. Well, they say, see, you know, I told you. And I've, I've heard amazingly insane arguments being justified by finding a certain passage. And then there's really esoteric passages that people forget that, you know, that Jesus said, you know, that he is like just showing us what to be like he did not yeah. say that you know i am the only one he never said that yeah well, eckhart, <laughs> eckhart tolle uh was talking about it and eckhart tolle said that when that the way he interpreted it was when jesus said i am the only way to heaven he was talking about for himself as in you're the yeah. only way to heaven i'm the only way to heaven for me but everybody t- took it as oh we have to go to him to get to heaven um right like it's like a, we, were, we were looking at his finger that was pointing not what he was pointing at I, I'm into Christ consciousness. I'm into everybody should be Christ-like in their consciousness. But when you start thinking of Christ as the Savior, that if you don't believe in him, you're going to hell, well, then that excludes so many people. And Jesus would say, no, no, no. Jesus would definitely not be into that. That's, and a, be- that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, he he what, he saw love of every everything. And when he started doing his uh, missionary work you know uh, becoming public he was already so formed and so strong you know he was in his 30s and he just went up against all the people who had rules 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 and that's exactly what he was against like you know there there should be no rule around the sacred around the divine it's just the experience of having it and however it manifests in whatever person that's how it is and so uh, I'm all with you. And Eckhart Tolle is a great teacher. I think he's he's a 
perfect modern teacher for this era, for this time, because he's so scholarly. And he's been to hell and back. His personal story is, is like he, had, he came so close to wanting to just end his life because mm. he was filled with despair. And then he just had kind of a spontaneous awakening because he wanted it. And also because he was in such despair. So it gives me hope that despair does have a purpose. Despair pushes people to the edge. And people are saying, oh, how terrible what's going on in our society these days. To me, it's not terrible because we are in a crisis in this society of ours, but we're being pushed to the despair that that Christ even experienced, you know, before he was crucified and Eckhart totally experienced. And anybody who who decides to put down a bad thing, like a, like an addict. I'm, I'm a recovering person. Nobody just wakes up and says, oh, I think I'm going to put down drugs and alcohol today. I think I'm going to just meditate and, and experience, you know, the, the divine through that method. So despair has a purpose. And, and I, I think we should announce it also that the feds have now initiated a new hotline for mental health people. It's 988. And if anybody feels suicidal, please call that number and get some help. Because, you know, despair will push people to wanting to kill themselves. And if they can just hold on and just know that it's a perfectly human thing to feel despair, that we can come out of it in a better place. And, and you know, you can see the glory for having had gone through the, the darkness. Definitely, definitely, and I and I personally have you know been through some really dark times myself, and and I um, got out of it. I will say this though, I you know you said that you you have you had to hit rock bottom in order to get better, and that and so sometimes that that despair is a great teacher, and if you learn from it and you don't and it doesn't kill you, because some people don't survive it, but if you and that's why you're saying if you if you can survive and get through it, life will get better. You can find purpose. But for some people like me, I, I, there wasn't the rock bottom that got me out of it. I slowly crawled out from, from being in a bad place. I kept using substances, and then I got to a place where I found happiness without substances. And then I found it's where I still smoke pot, and I still drink, and I just don't do it in excess like I used to. I used to get, I used to want to drink to, to forget who I was. Now I just have a few drinks to enjoy myself. And, um, and everybody's different. But I, I think, though, yeah. for this, this rock bottom thing is definitely prevalent in our society where we have a, pro, a world of prohibition and a black market that if you're addicted to drugs in this, in this world that we've created, it, you're going to have a very hard time. And rock bottom can, can be what he says, you know, enough's enough. I'm going to get better. But in a place like Switzerland where they offer people access to the substances that they're addicted to, they see people get better without hitting rock bottom. They see people get mm -hmm. off drugs who just decide that it's not their life's back together they're happy they don't want to keep going to the heroin clinic and they just they phase out of it and i, yeah. so I think that that's an important that's great point. yes it is it's important to know that everybody is different we're not cookie cutters and my experience is just my experience and your experience is yours and there's not just one way of being a human being or else we would be just automatons <laughs> yeah. but uh, i mean it's true you know as kids were taught oh each one of us is as different as a snowflake and then when you think what snowflakes are different and you look and you see that every single one is different i mean that's that's mind-blowing in that yeah. just to think that and so of course if snowflakes are different we are all different 
And even our bodies are different. I mean, my uh, I'm going through PT right now, and my PT guy said uh, they have to take some kind of an, a not just anatomy, but they have to work with corpses, and they have to really look at the way the body's structured. And some people's like veins are crisscrossed from from other people's. They're not just all in this regular kind of pattern that people think we are. So, you know, the medical people have to deal with all sorts of variables. And of course, we who are interested in expanding our consciousness, we also have to deal with every single person is different. There is no pat way. But the danger is when people start proselytizing and they say, no, it has to be this way. Like you mentioned about how some of the you know, extreme religious people, not just Christians, every, every extremist mm-hmm. group is like that. Yeah. Every extremist group. Definitely. And I bring up Christians mostly because, because in our country, Christianity is the biggest, but it's still not the only one. And um, there's, but uh, my, my family and where I've grown up and what seems to be happening politically is coming from the Christians in this country. But like you said, there's, um, I mean, the Islamic countries have a lot of things that they, that they do that are, that I, I don't understand. It's, it is a weird thing in our world where if you, if you talk bad about Islam and some of the things that they do, the way they treat women, the, the liberals are call you a xenophobic and all this, but it seems like the liberals that would want to say that the religious things like this sh- shouldn't be happening. I, I, I don't know. Well, they have made it so that certain things have to be acknowledged. They can't go around having the clitorectomies, for instance, you know, chopping out women's genitals. I mean, that's extreme, uh, Islamic stuff that happens mostly in Ethiopia. And so they've, they've made that, um, you know, illegal, but things like a woman, if she wants to wear a, a half, whatever it's called, the scarf, look at me, I wear, I wear a buff. Yeah. <laughs> Some people think take that thing off, but it makes me feel comfortable. You know, it uh, keeps my hair in place. I mean, and, and a woman wearing a scarf, I've heard many of them say it makes them feel very safe and secure that they're not being, stared at or or thought of in a sexual manner by strangers but i I, you know america was founded on sexual not sexual religious freedom you know the Mm -hmm. pilgrims because my on my father's side he was his family came over on the second load of pilgrims so i've always thought about the beginnings of our country and then on my mother's side she was a first generation immigrant from lithuania so i have both and, you know, the pilgrims, they came to America because they really wanted to have religious freedom to express their strange, in those days, forms of Christianity. They were considered outcasts in England. So they came here in droves. And that has a lot to do with our founding country's ways. Because um, I went to school in Boston. And did you ever hear about the blue laws? No. They're, they're left over from colonial times. And when I was in college, uh, that was during the 60s, and uh, it was very weird. They had the blue laws still, which is uh, going back to when the pilgrims first came into this country. And they were just very old fashioned, like, you know, all the bars had to close at, you know, before, way before midnight. And just odd little things. Women couldn't work like hard jobs. They couldn't climb ladders, silly little things yeah. like that. This country was founded on those principles. And so, you know, like even like, like a person will have a karma because of their astrological inclinations or how they were raised and all that. And a country has a karma. 
And I do believe that this country was, you know, the karma is, it's got a lot to do with expressing religion or spiritual freedom. You know, look on our dollar bill and God we trust. I mean, what other country says that? <laughs> That's true. I mean, yeah, we definitely, the, the separation of church and state might be on paper, but it's not really, it's, it's de- we definitely have a lot of religion in our politics. But one thing I, Colbert said, I, I think it was an NPR interview, he was saying that, that we, if you let allow religion into your politics, then there's nothing to stop politics from getting into your religion, and that's what happened in Europe, and that's what we, we're trying to avoid here. That everybody can, mm-hmm. everybody can worship how they want to worship, can have whatever spiritual practice they want, and we're not going to kill each other over it. We're going to all get along with our separate, with our separate beliefs. Amen to that. <laughs> yeah. I, along with amen, I always say, ah, oh, women too. <laughs> <laughs> I know at the end, of, we always say grace because I like to bless everything. So we say our blessing and my husband, who's a Christian, and he'll end the prayer with amen. And I'll say, and all women too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Let me, ask you, let me ask you this. So your husband's Christian and you're, uh, and you said you are, you consider yourself I'm a mystic. A- I'm a, I'm an Eastern mystic. And of course I was, I was raised differently. I'm a you know, Christian Sufi soldier, I call myself. I'm a lifelong yoga practitioner. Well, that's so great. that's that's basically Eastern mysticism. Buddha was a yogi, just mm-hmm. for people who, who, who get yoga mixed up with. It's not just the exercises that people are doing today. It's, it's a way of life. It's a philosophy. And the scriptures are very ancient. The, the Vedas and the Yoga Sutras and all these very ancient scriptures that go back thousands of years. And then Buddha, who was a yogi, and um, he, he, his followers called him the Buddha, which means enlightened one. So Buddhism is pretty similar to what the yogic philosophy is. That's but I'm, I'm a yogi. Mm-hmm. And I heard, I've heard theories, I don't know if there's anything truth to this, that Jesus, when he was in the desert and lost for that certain amount of time, that he was actually, he went east and was practicing um, the, uh, Buddhism and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, there's there's some references to Yeshua in some Indian text. Uh, there's it's, it's a mystery. Where was Jesus? Where did he go? Well, I've heard that he was. He even went east, and and went to Glastonbury. Oh, that's west. That's uh, from 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 uh, Israel. It's west. So I've been in Glastonbury, and they say they have proof from some ancient British text that. Jesus, who had an uncle who was a merchant, actually went sailing to to parts of the UK, the UK today. And there are some references to Yeshua being in India. And, you know, that really makes sense to me. Um, I saw a documentary about, it's called The Lost Years of Jesus. And if if you've never seen it, it's very interesting. It has a lot of documentation that supports that theory. Write that down. Yeah, The Lost Years of Jesus. Um, yeah, have you are you familiar at all with the psychedelic theory of the early church being a psychedelic cult? Oh, no, tell me. So <laughs> Sounds I, well, when I which first, early church? The early Christian church. And when I first oh. when I first heard this, I just thought, yeah, because I, I love psychedelics personally, and I've learned a lot from them. But um, I also think that some people that do psychedelics, they they think it's this you know uh, panacea, and that it's you know it, it, everybody gets immediate enlightenment, which is just not true. And when I heard mm-hmm. the, the early church being a secular cult, I immediately was just like, this is ridiculous. Like I didn't even look into it. Hmm. And then an author that wrote this book called uh, "The Lost Key," I believe. Um, 
I have it somewhere. The, oh, the immortality key, Brian Mirror Rescue. He was on a podcast and he was explaining how he's, he's never done psychedelics in his life, which was why they he got a lot more credit because of that. He was actually um, uh, like he been a Harvard graduate and um, I believe Harvard. It doesn't matter. Point what is, was his name? Brian Brian Mirror, Mirror Rescue, if I'm saying that right. Okay, something like that. I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, yeah the immortality. <laughs> Immortality by a mirror rescue, but he, oh, uh, they're, they're actually oh, pretty good. They're actually teaching a, a course in at Harvard about based on this book because uh, it is how wow. amazing it was. But basically, he was reading. He was he was a, a lawyer, and he was reading uh, in this magazine about psychedelic <laughs> research that they were doing um, at one of the universities where they were into life. In the uh, terminal people were giving uh, psilocybin mushrooms mm-hmm. and were having these amazing mm-hmm. experiences and were no longer scared of death. And as he's reading their, oh, uh, yeah. their experiences, mm-hmm. he remembered something he was studying when he was in college was uh, the Eleusian mysteries. And this was the old Greek mysteries where they would go to Eleusis and they would have these, and they didn't, and it's always been a mystery of what were they doing there. But every, when they would come back from these mysteries, they would all say the same thing. They were no longer afraid of death. They knew there was an afterlife. And so the theory was that they were doing some sort of psychedelic and having some sort of psychedelic ritual there. And and then it was illegal though, in Greece to use the psychedelics outside of the temple in Eleusis. So only the rich and the well-educated people that could afford to go to Eleusis got these experiences. So, but what happened, the same thing happened here is you get underground raves happening, you get underground parties where people are taking whatever that mixture is, whatever that psychedelic they were doing. They possibly think it was something similar to LSD because that ear got uh, the fungus that grows on wheat Mm -hmm. where you can get Mm -hmm. it. Anyway, so the idea was, and that's where they had these Dionysian parties, they called them, and Dionysus Uh was the wine god. Uh Yeah. And so Dion, and this was written 400 years before Christ, and he was born of a virgin mother. Because his father was Zeus, so he's, God was his father. And his first trick was he went to a party and they ran out of wine and he turned the water into wine. And he was the <laughs> wine god. So then when John's writing about Jesus, he te- he says the same thing about Jesus. And what Brian Mary Rescue uh, theorizes is that he was actually speaking to the Greeks to let them know Jesus is doing the same thing that Dionysian, the, the, the Dionysian parties were. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, come, come hang out with us in Israel. We're having some underground psychedelic ritual mm-hmm. things. And that, that's where the church got its whole foundation from. Wow. That's, that's interesting. I would definitely check out that book. I mean, you know, who knows, <laughs> you know, who knows and who cares? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm more about the, the moment, but I mean, I think I'm fascinated with, with, I don't consider that a conspiracy um, theory. I mean, really, there's so many mysteries in life. Anything could be. And there certainly have been um, concerted efforts on the Christian church's part to exclude a lot of really wonderful things from the Bible. We know about that from 300 AD. They basically took out the Apocrypha, which yeah. has to do with all the things about Christ consciousness that everybody is, is eligible for this consciousness. They, you know, they, the, the, the leaders of the church did not want the uneducated people to have access to this knowledge. So I wouldn't doubt that uh, possibility, the immortality key. And I, I've never heard of that. I am very affiliated with Harvard. I think uh, I explained that to you in our earlier discussion before we, had the podcast mm-hmm. that I did work with Schultes, Richard Evan Schultes, who's considered the father of ethnobotany. He's the one who basically brought to the Western world 
ayahuasca, yaje, you know, and psilocybin, and the the use of peyote and uh, coca by the Incas and all that. So I did a lot of work with him. I was um, an illustrator, but I was also like a research assistant, not for Professor Schulte so much, but his his uh, botanists who were working for their degrees, people who were studying under Schulte. So, so I'm very aware of the fact that all these mysteries have been unearthed little by little, and and some of them just in this last hundred years. I mean, when you think about it, like Machu Picchu, for instance, was not oh, even yeah. known to Western people until like the 1950s. And I went to Machu Picchu before the pandemic, I, and I just had this amazing experience because I feel so connected to the Inca because their reverence for nature is so strong. And um, and for, well, who knows? We're probably all connected through what vibrates in our being, you know, like if I feel connected to the Inca as opposed to, you know, the ancient, whatever, Dionysian cult, <laughs> that just means that that's what sets off my vibration and what, what interests me today. But yeah. we probably have all experienced these things through the, through the evolution of our soul, because I do believe in reincarnation. And it's just evident to me ever since I was a little kid, it's the only thing that makes any sense why some people are just born with so much knowledge and other people are just like, what? You know, they're, they're at the very beginning of the, of accruing knowledge. So if there is this evolution of the soul, we've been involved with all these cultures, not just what we experience today, but there's this cellular memory, you know, there's this energy that, that resonates. And when we hear about an ancient story, that tantalizes us. That's probably because we, we, we maybe we're there, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. And you talked about that how pain has kind of shaped our world. And and if you think about uh, that, what you're talking about with this cellular memory, all the pain and the things that have happened through war that are getting less and less. It's like the human family is healing, but slowly. And there's still going to be pockets, like you said, the pendulum is kind of kind of get, get into some. Territory that gets dangerous. COVID was hard on a lot of people mentally, and so that, I think that may maybe set us back, or maybe it's it's that's one of the final blows to get it over with. I don't I don't know. Is it COVID's a mystery. It still hasn't ended. That's for sure. Yeah, I just and had I, it. Oh, you did? Wow. Yeah, six weeks I'm, ago. I'm, I'm, I'm a virgin. <laughs> yeah, I was. But, uh, I, did, I went went with all the shots, got boosted. I was like, I'm, and I and I just felt very confident because of that. So I wasn't afraid of it. And I had a friend that was exposed, and he was coming to stay with me, but he didn't have any symptoms. I was like, I'm not worried about it. And it turned out we got COVID from him. So, oh was, wow, did you? Pretty bad. Were you very sick? Oh, you not not, hos not hospital level sick, just like bad yeah. fever. Um, yeah, didn't really get no too much shortness of breath, but I just it felt like a weird flu. But it was very. I got dizzy. And yeah. the, but, the, but the weird thing was is it would last for a few weeks afterwards. It just kept weird waves of dizziness and stuff. Mm. I'm finally completely better. So, Well, that's good. I'm glad. I, I think that probably all of us will get it sooner or later, but I'm happy not to be like in the forward vanguard. And already now it's lessened. I mean, no doubt because you've been vaccinated and boosted and everything. And also the strain has, has gotten weaker. It's much easier now to to not die from it but um who knows i mean if you we look at the spiritual impact of covid i mean 
I do believe everything happens for a reason. I think that uh, our whole culture needed to have a breaking and a reset. And there were a lot of people who used it as an opportunity, you know, being isolated and being forced to stay home and uh, to use it as an opportunity to explore their inner life. And then there's a lot of people who didn't, who just freaked out and got fat and got miserable and missed their friends and got mad. So there's both. Mm-hmm. And for me, it, it was, it pushed me into being more public by uh, offering more like meditation. I do these mind stillers up on my YouTube channel, offering more comfort and more tools for people who are feeling anxious and having a hard time with the, with being isolated and not being able to just do what they're used to doing. And it was interesting too, because my husband and I, he's such a great character. We've been together for 30 years. We had been camping for six months before the pandemic. And we went all over like Canada and the Western United States and ended up in Texas before we came back to Florida where we live. And then the pandemic hit. So we were so used to being isolated from the normal life, you know, being with our buds, doing what people do in their home, cooking on a, on a, on a you know, camp stove <laughs> with just whatever we yeah. had in our car at the moment. And most of all, just really feeling connected with nature. And so I, th- I thought it was a great spiritual opportunity And yes, it's very sad that so many people died. And it's true that a lot of people had a hard time. But I think enough of us had a a good experience of fortifying our spiritual connection with what this world is all about, that we're in a better place now. I mean, I feel that there's, it's almost like showdown at the OK Corral. There's people who are filled with hope. And there's other people who are filled with despair. And like, there's not so much a battle, but there's the hope people are like, you know, I just know it's going to be okay. And the despair people are going to burn out because that kind of anger and negativity is either going to make people sick or really unhappy with life. So there is this animated intensity going on plus also the pandemic because it threw off the whole world the economy i mean that one ship that got stuck in the suez canal Mm -hmm. messed up the shipping for uh, you know probably for years and so now we have inflation it's like and i'm thinking like how does a person who's just getting by on a shoestring how do they function i mean because prices are just sky high yeah, it's been, it's been very hard for some people with uh, with inflation. And then you also have the political elements of what's going on, because I think there's one reason why we have such a divide politically is because n- never in the history or never in my lifetime has pl- politics played such a personal role in our lives where our governor's deciding whether you're shut down or you're open or you can go out or you can go to the beach is is 
they're telling everybody you know what exactly what to do wear masks here go you go walk this way in the grocery store and a lot of people for them they couldn't handle that they couldn't they, they did they, they, so they just erupted politically and then we had a in my opinion a very erratic president who was just going off the handle constantly saying all these hateful things mm. and, uh, and then and it's weird because i i see I, you know, I live in trump country down here there's flags everywhere and, <laughs> and the thing is, is i've never been bothered by political things if i disagree with you politically and you have a sticker i'd never care but the weird thing about this one is that the election's been over and there's and the flags aren't going away nothing's it's and that's a very strange thing that you don't yeah never seen in my mm-hmm. in the past like man bill clinton won the election his, his opponent was, there wasn't flags for his opponent for the next four years. Or like was, you know, it was just a weird thing that's happening. So a lot of hate is getting built on both sides. People see the Trumps and they get mad. And I see it on Facebook. They don't just say, here's why I disagree with you. They say, here's why I disagree with you. You effing idiot. And it's like, you can't, like, the hate, you're losing me. If I might agree with what you're saying, but you lose me when you, when you throw that venom right back out because it goes both ways. So. Well, let me ask you a question. Why are you on Facebook? Why do you, why do you put yourself in that poisonous situation? Uh, I, you're, you're very correct. But I, um, for work, I have to, with my, my I, have have to post to. Gig, I have to post gigs, I have to post stuff for my podcast. It's what I'm supposed to be doing at least. I mean, I guess I don't have to, but it's supposed to be. You can't just run in and post and run out. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> I, I, I typically do that. That's typically what I, I do. I do. I have a, I have a Facebook presence, but I, I know what you mean. The, the vitriolic dialogue is poisonous. And I glimpse it, but I run in and I make my little meditation, um, you know, con- contribution to the collective consciousness, which I want to help uphold the positive end of things. And I'm not, I'm not judging you or anything. I'm just right. saying that don't, don't just run in and do your thing and run out because it's, it's poison. I mean, that whole dialogue where people get into it and they get off on it. Come on. It's an addiction to be in anger and to to be right. And people get in there and they're, and their adrenaline's pumping and they're getting all hot. And, you know, they want to like kill somebody because it's an addiction. And it's just the opposite of love where love is accepting, you know, what is. So I just highly yeah, it's just weird that you run in and run out and get out. No, and, I, and I do try to do that, but you're right though. Sometimes it's addiction. I run in and then I see, say, "What is this?" And I start reading, and I'm like, "Wait a minute!" And no. then yeah, you get sucked in, right into it. No, but don't the prob- do it. No. See, the problem with Facebook for me is that it's, <laughs> no. is we're not connected on Facebook, right? Like, there's a divide. And I use the analogy of when you're driving in your car, there are people that will flip somebody off and do everything because there's a divide because you're not beside them. But you wouldn't do the same thing in an elevator or in a line at the bank. You would never just be like. Mm. Oh, somebody started to cut you off. There's very few reactions where someone's going to start cussing and flipping them off. Yeah. Cause they're connected. They're like, there's a little more respect, but as soon as there's a divide and people feel like I'm not immediately, I don't know. It's a yeah. weird thing, but Facebook becomes like a fake uh, social. It's like a, a fake society. It's not <clears throat> real life. Um, but well, it, it, it's, it's not just Facebook. It's all social media, but right. social media does, like you said at the beginning of our conversation, there is a purpose for technology and, you know, it is a creation of our intelligence and creativity and all that. So it can be used for a good thing. But the bad aspect of technology, I believe, is is this terrible kind of poison that's happening with people who really like to argue, really like to be right. And they're all on Facebook. I mean, yeah. I hear it all the time. And I know so many people who just refuse to go on Facebook and... Um, just because it's hard to run in and run out without seeing it. You know, you can't go like yeah. that. 
and one of the reasons why I post meditation um, videos up on YouTube is people go to YouTube for a reason. If they want to do a meditation, they'll go there and they'll type in meditation and they'll, you know, hashtag meditation or something and they'll find me or not. And, but they're not just like in there for having an argument. And I know a lot of people who, who've just sworn off social media and they don't have to use it for business, but you do. So just get a pair of blinders (laughs) and go in and do your posting and get the hell out of there because it, it'll suck you in. And it, it, and I know you don't want that kind of an addiction, that no. that kind of, there's a lot of people who are addicted to negative emotion. I'm not saying that you are, but when I feel it in myself, for instance, if I feel like, oh, you know, things are bad. Well, then I catch myself saying, oh, there I go again. That's a despair. That's a little seed of, of hopelessness. And I said, no, no, I'm not going to allow it to be in there. I'm going to replace it with, there's a never ending abundance of creative energy when you allow yourself to be unblocked from that negative stuff. And who's to say who's going to like invent, you know, the next power source, we're going to run it on air or water, you know, I mean, anything can happen if we are unblocked from our creative sources. And so for me, it's definitely dangerous to have any kind of a of thought about Oh God, I want to argue. Oh, I want to get in there and prove that I'm right. And I, I was with some friends the other night, and they're all very spiritual friends. And all of a sudden the conversation went into a to me a pretty dark place. And I just decided to sit there and observe and not say anything. But they were all saying how terrible things are and the Supreme Court this and the, you know, the 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 investigations into January 6th, that, and oh, just bad, bad despair. And oh my God, what are we going to do on the climate? Or, you know, our world's going to end. And I just sat there. And finally, when everybody had their say, I said what I told you earlier. I said, yes, the world is having a bottom. We're having a crisis. But guess what? It's going to push people against the wall and they're going to be forced to change because they're finally going to see, wow. I can't, I can't take it anymore. It's so bad. And like, I've been feeling that the world is on the crises since the seventies. I've known that the environment is crumbling since the seventies. When I worked with the earth scientists at Harvard, it's not just something that happened yesterday. And finally people are waking up and because of the crises, because of the hardship and the anger, people are going to say, you know what? I'm sick of it. I'm going to change. I, just like you said, you're going to dig yourself out of whatever weird addiction you had with psychedelics. You were going to change your life. So you just had moderate experiences and you weren't going to be a slave to these altered states. You didn't have to be a slave to them to enjoy what they gave you. And so I believe that this time of crises in our world is going to serve a wonderful purpose of igniting this this awakened consciousness, which is higher consciousness. And it's not just reliant upon how many trips of ayahuasca or or LSD or mescaline or whatever did you have. It's like, if whatever experience you had, how are you sustaining it? How are you keeping that consciousness so it comes with you every day to Walmarts, 
to Facebook, <laughs> to the, the, you know, the drive to school. I mean, it's up to us to maintain that consciousness, however we've been gifted it, either through a drug experience or a religious experience or mm -hmm. somebody close to us dying and all of a sudden we're touched by the magic of life and we realize that this life is magic, this life itself. To be alive, we're in that state of sacredness. I, I just came from the sea and I was crying because I was in the waves and I just said, oh my God, this planet is so beautiful. The waves are touching me. And I'm, I'm, I'm feeling very ecstatic too, because I had surgery on my neck a year ago and I couldn't go near the waves because, you know, your neck is sensitive. And so now it's stabilized and I'm feeling like, oh, what a blessing. I've, I've come out from this dark place where I couldn't touch something that I love so much like the surf. And I'm looking at the clouds and I'm thinking just like, what a blessing, the surf, this life, the healing, the ability of technology to bring healing and like the love I have in my life, a mate who honors and supports me. When you think about all the majest, majesty that we're surrounded by, I mean, it's almost like who would waste their time on the negative? Who would yeah. do that? <laughs> yeah, I guess people that when people that are in very bad places, like when I, I remember one time when I was going through my addiction, which, which was actually with opiates, and um, and mm, just when, you, when you're going yeah. through that kind of painful withdrawal, and you're trying to, and you know you want to stop using, but you're, and it was just it was so hard. And I remember being at the beach and looking at the water and almost crying because I didn't find it beautiful. I did it was I couldn't see any beauty in it, and I knew it was because I'd always loved it. And I was yeah. like, where's that beauty I see? And I got you know I got over the, the my Viking addiction. And then I, um, I, and actually psychedelics helped me. So how did you do that? Well, I stopped, you... I stopped cold Turkey, but I, it was many times I would just quit, go through the withdrawals, but then it would always, I, I would have relapses. Cause it was just, it was hard. Cause you have days when you just don't feel right because it, your body's still healing. And it was easy for me. Cause I had a, a really uh, easy connection. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do them. And then when I finally yeah, quit right. and I remember, um, I had a friend that, that I would, when I, I moved to North Carolina and I stopped using it there. And then I had a friend that had an addiction also, and I would start to go through withdrawals. Well, I'd reach out and get some from him, some Oxycontin or something. And those were a little stronger than what I was used to, but then he found a hookup for fentanyl and he said, I found this mm. new stuff. I'd never heard of it. He said, it's a new stuff. It's a nasal spray. It's fentanyl. It's cheap. We can get as much as we want. And that's oh, when I said, that's when so I said dangerous. I, I know that, that's when I said I, I decided I was like, I don't want to try it. I'm just going to go ahead and quit. So anything that's super easy to get and super cheap is going to keep me addicted for a lot longer. So I didn't do it. And I just quit opiates for then. And I haven't done them since. But my buddy got under the fentanyl and he was really yeah. bad. I thought he was going to die. And he actually is off it now. And he came and visited me and he's doing a lot better. But uh, it was what he oh, went through was great. a lot worse. But anyway, my point is, is that we, we, it's hard to see the beauty in things if we can't find the beauty within ourselves. So we have to get to a place where we're happy yeah. and then, and then the world exactly. is amazing. Yeah. So, Oh God, I can relate so much to what you're talking about. Cause when I was at the end of my drug and drinking story, I looked in the mirror and I, I, I looked in my eyes and I said, wow, there's nothing in there. It was like my spirit had died. It was like, there was nobody home. That freaked me out more than anything. And I said, wow, I may as well be dead if I didn't see there was any life in my eyes. And that's, I went to get help. I, I went to uh, the 12 steps of recovery. And that's how I dragged myself out. I mean, I 
I, I almost find it impossible to, to think that I could do it without the help of the 12 steps because I tried so many times to get out of addiction before that on my own. So you have a very strong will. You have a very, very strong connection to your to your heart chakra. And I commend you and, and uh, more power to you that you could do it like that. Thank you. I, it did. Um, it was, you know, it wasn't easy. Uh, so I did read uh, Russell Brand's recovery, which is basically based on the 12 step program, but it's yeah. kind of for, for people who aren't into the religious thing. And that book actually yeah, helped me a lot. He's great. I love Russell Brand. <laughs> he was a good friend of Amy Winehouse. And you, yeah. you know, that yeah, that's tried, what really, to, that's what to, blew his mind. Yeah. He tried to save her before he would reach mm-hmm. out to her and say, you know, you really need to get into the program. And she, she yeah, that was mm-hmm. sad, really sad. Um, well, the 12 steps are beautiful. I mean, uh, the history of the 12 steps is very interesting for people who might want to know that it's a spiritual thing. It's not a religious thing. And it was basically um, the guys who started AA, they wrote to Dr. Jung, Carl Jung, who's the psychiatrist who was dealing with addiction. And Jung is very well known for really bringing spirituality to the mainstream of human culture because he worked with dreams and he worked with the inner guides and Carl, Carl Jung's work was amazing. And so he wrote to these two guys who wanted to, to really make sure that they continued with this great um, ability to stay sober because they realized that they talked to each other. They didn't want to get high. And so Jung said, it's absolutely mandatory that you have a spiritual awakening. And they said, well, okay, but how do we do that? And so then they found out about what's called the Oxford Group. Do you know about this story? Uh, I do not know the whole story, no. Yeah, the Oxford Group were a bunch of intellectual and atheists who were from Oxford University in England. And Jung knew about them because his specialty was trying to help people who had addictions. This was way before AA started. And so the Oxford Group had decided that in order to have a spiritual awakening, they had to go through certain steps, which at that time were just eight steps. And that's where the steps came from. And so between the Oxford group and Jung, the guys who started AA in America, uh, they got those 12, 12 steps together. So it's it's got a really interesting history. And it's all about a spiritual fellowship. And it's it's wherever you go in this world, I can walk into a into a 12-step recovery meeting, and I feel like I'm at home because they're talking my language, you know? Yeah. yeah. They, I, they really, they, it's, a, it's a certain bond that you get into when you go through the 12 steps. Yeah, and it definitely works for a lot of people. And for those who it works with, I 100% support it. And I've even talked about it because you know, my podcast is about drugs. And I think that sobriety is not the only answer for everybody. But for some people, it's a great, if you can do it and you can find happiness sober, then why wouldn't you be sober? Yeah. It does, you know, makes sense. But I remember going to the, I went to some 12 step meetings with my wife and, um, and, uh, it was you listen to people talk they would they say they would say the same thing that if they couldn't make the meeting in time they would actually go all the way across town to a different meeting because they had to get to one of those meetings because that was their new that was what they they're solid in their life that they needed to have yeah they, they, that was their new addiction it, yeah it basically that's, new the, addiction. that's what i saw it as but i guess <laughs> yeah. again it's a better addiction to have if, if you're yeah. drinking to the point where you're driving and getting duis and and your life's destroyed then it's better addiction yeah. to have same with people that get in the running for people who have had enough, you know, they wanted yeah. to change. And it's it the only way to change 
a negative addiction is to introduce a positive addiction. So that's that's where the you know going to be addicted to the rooms they call it you know the meetings whatever, but anyway like before we end our discussion did you want to hear a little bit about my psychedelic story yeah. or should that be phase two that we should have, we should have you know part two Tesla Lord <laughs> I think we could do a part two or we can go into it right now when you like <laughs> well we could do a quickie version I mean I basically was obsessed about having the ultimate experience. I mean, I, ever since I was a kid, I just wanted to have the ultimate. And I, and I started as a kid, not drugs, but, but doing things like um, Andy Wilde talks about, uh, Dr. Andrew Wilde, he talks a lot about the, the natural mind. That was his first book. It was called The Natural Mind, how people just need to have some kind of alt altered experience. So they either eat too much and start to vomit or they, twirl the kids are always twirling mm -hmm. and you make angels in the snow because you just kind of get off on that you know and you do things to just make yourself just go ridiculously out of your ordinary mind and so i started as a as a high school kid i basically was also come from a from a home where there are a lot of bad things happening alcoholism and not such great you know spirituality so i wanted to escape and by the time I reached college, I was definitely a, an alcoholic already, but it was the 60s and LSD was right there. And so I became part of the early cult, the Leary and Alpert cult that used LSD religiously, yeah. ritualistically for to experience ego death. And that was that was where the beginning of my psychedelic experiences began. And we used to use the Tibetan Book of the Dead that had been published by Leary and Alpert to help people as uh, to experience the guided steps of going through ego death. And from there, I just did whatever I could that was available until I finally realized that I had had enough. And that's yeah. a long story there. <laughs> but I have been sober. And I mean, really sober for almost 40 years, no That's drugs, great, no alcohol. And I, and my, and I, and I have never been higher in my life because of uh, my dedication to yogic practices and meditation and, you know, doing all sorts of dis disciplines. That's, like that's great. And, and now Alpert ended up, um, he changed his name to Ram Dass, right? Baba Ram Dass, Yes. Yeah, he went he, to India and he became Baba Ram Dass. And he was and he was sober at that point, right? He it was he wasn't still in the psychedelics later in his life, was he? Oh no! As soon as he met his guru, who who he became Baba Ramdas with, he never. I don't know. He might have taken some drugs later on, but he he, he didn't do it too publicly. Yeah, um, but it, it wasn't the core of his philosophy anymore, as it was no. in the earlier with with well, Leary was. Yeah. But like <laughs> Ken Kesey said the same. It was Ken Kesey's dynamic was funny because it was California versus New York, and it, there was much more. The Mary Pranksters, they were, you know, party bus and all that. But Kesey said he figured it out at one point that he thought LSD was going to save the world. And then he realized, no, you have to get beyond the drugs. It's beyond LSD. And it was mm -hmm. through meditation and sobriety actually was the ultimate trip, whatever you want to call it. But um, yeah, it is what he said. It's not as popular because people just want to get high and they want to have fun on drugs. So trying to say, hey, we have hey, everybody, we have to stop doing the LSD. And everybody's just like, no, nah, we're going to keep doing the drugs. For me, I think. I think LSD is a great teacher, but again, it's, I, I, I use mushrooms because they're, you know what you're getting and LSD, you don't know what you're getting on the streets. So I just use the 
And also yeah. mushrooms only last about four hours. So, but again, it's, it's like once or twice a year, it's not something you do all the time and mm-hmm. you learn from it. Yeah. But for most people that they, you know, they're not going to do that and that's fine. But uh, like you said, if you can be happy, sober, if you can find your inner peace and your happiness and through meditative practices mm-hmm. and doing, I, I love yoga. I do jujitsu. I think it's, it's just a really good exercise and it's um, I'm kind of therapeutic in its own way, but um, these things are so important. I think, I think people who are drawn to doing drugs, like I was, and you still are doing, there's a need for it. And there are some things that we need to address in our psyche that drugs are very useful for. And for me, I, I went and I explored that to the very end. And I basically addressed everything that needed to be addressed. And so I feel absolutely 100% wonderful about having done all the psychedelics and you know even cocaine because it brought me to my knees i mean a lot of us would not have ever surrendered to our addiction if we had not become addicted to cocaine and for you probably the same with opiates i mean when something is gripping you so that you your soul just feels like it can't burst three through you know that's when you realize that drugs are tricky i mean you have to be a um, alchemist to get it right yeah. And even even mushrooms, I've done a lot of mushrooms. There's always a there's always a down for every up. There's always um, an aftermath. And the and the neat thing about when you've learned to train your consciousness so they can be elevated just by your own power is there's no hangover, there's no after effects, and and it's it's really quite nice. And and it can come with you in all states of being. It doesn't have just to be when you're okay, meditating, you can actually bring meditation into your life. And you can be in a state of meditation all the time. If you have certain techniques that you learn. Yeah. And I do notice like, uh, well, I will say this one thing though about mushrooms is I, I don't have any hangover. So mushrooms actually feel better the next day than I did the day before. But no, the uh, sometimes I'll notice that I have these really amazing feelings when I'm reading, like when I read Eckhart Tolle makes, if I'm conscious, constantly reading something like that, even though if I read it before and I know what he's saying, it doesn't matter. Just constantly going through those, those pages. When I go to work, you say it's easier to access, you know, that kind of life. And I just really, when I, when I go through periods of complete sobriety, those are the happiest times. I mean, they're just, you really feel like yourself. Like, I mean, I try to think back when I was a kid riding my bike and stuff, I had the best times of my life going playing in the woods and there wasn't any drugs and alcohol. That wasn't even a part of it. That was once, you know, the pain and the suffering and heartbreak and everything that happens growing up and alcoholic parents, stuff like that, that leads to now I'm trying to escape myself. That's when the drugs came in. They didn't come in when I was Mm -hmm. enjoying life. So, um, yeah, I think it's very important to surround yourself with uh, great reading, great teachers, great friends. I mean, to have a friend who's a downer is a dangerous thing if you have, uh, you know, the uh, the desire to maintain a higher vibration in life. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can help people, yes, but sometimes people don't want to be helped. And sometimes a drowning person will want you to drown with them. So yeah. it's very important about who who you hang out with once you're committed to this higher vibration that you want to maintain. And I love Eckhart Tolle. I, I carry a little uh, booklet of Ramana Maharshi with me. He's um, a, a yoga dude. And I always have some kind of reading with me. If I just happen to be somewhere, instead of whipping out my phone, I'll just have a little, you know, hand reading. But on my phone, of course, I have all of Eckhart Tolle's books. <laughs> 
he's just great. And I'm actually reading it in Spanish with oh, a, wow. with this friend who, and she and I study Spanish and it's a That's very awesome. interesting thing. Yeah. He, he's actually a Spanish speaker. Did you know that? I didn't know. Yeah. He was raised in Barcelona and uh, first in Germany and then Barcelona. So he speaks Spanish as well as he speaks German and English. I didn't know that. I, I'd spent about a year and a half waking up every day and going through Spanish flashcards and trying to learn it. And I just, I got nowhere. It was so, so much harder than I realized, but I still would love to. Oh. My sister's fluent. Oh, well, she, keep she it up. It. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it up because it's also, they think it's much better as you get older for your brain cells and, and they'll stay vital. I mean, I, I study a little bit. They have such great apps these days. They have uh, mm-hmm. like, there's a slow news in Spanish. I mean, okay. it's really an altered state when you're studying another language. That's check great. out that. I, I forgot about check the out that app. Like, is Babylon one of them? I think I've seen. Oh there's, no, that's not so good. That you no. have to pay for it. Uh, oh. But uh, there's slow uh, Spanish news, and slow it's Spanish free. News. Okay. Yeah, and and it, it it gives you a vocabulary. You don't even have to go to a dictionary. You just like don't you see a word you don't know, and you just put a finger on it and it shows you the, the translation. And it's it's a wonderful thing to um, to speak another language. When we talk about altered state, you go into a different part in your brain, and that's why it's so it's almost tiring. You know, you get exhausted when you're trying to learn a language because it's you're going to making new pathways, and the more you dig yeah. in those you know gray matters and make the connections, it gets easier. But I I never give up. I, I we're going to Bolivia. We're we're leaving for a couple months. We're going to spend time. And I love South America. I love chewing coca leaves. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, is chewing the leaves more similar to like a caffeine kind of it's, it, it No, you don't feel like a buzz at all. With caffeine, you can feel a buzz. Yeah. With, with coca leaves, it's a wonderful taste. And it's a ritual, of course, to have the wad in the mouth. But you just feel good. You feel nutritious and strong and it it has no like uh effect of of being stimulated gotcha. and the inca the inca used to use it instead of uh you know taking food or water so they would go on these long hikes and they could just go all day chewing the coca leaves without being thirsty or hungry gotcha so so the cocaine that they drive out of it is like an extreme ex- extract that's a lot more potent yes than actual plant that's yeah. that's an extreme thing and there's such a tiny bit of the actual cocaine in the coca leaves that you don't feel like oh my god you know you're on a chemical high you don't feel that at all you just have this wonderful uh satisfying feeling of not being hungry and not being tired while you're chewing coca leaves and also for me i have altitude sickness i get because i have asthma it it helps expand your your lungs I think it actually expands all capillaries in your body. So uh, it's, it's actually a remedy for people who have altitude sickness, who have trouble breathing in high altitudes. Yeah. We, we just got back from uh, Aspen and we did some hiking and the first time I went to Aspen, I had no problems, but post COVID after having COVID twice, it was different and I got dizzy a few times. And so, yeah, wow. but, but I'm guessing you can't get coca leaves in the States though. That's not a, no, you can't, uh, unless you know, somebody who grows them. I was trying to grow them, but it's very hard. You have to have really, really uh, particular conditions, but no. Yeah. And, uh, you can get coca tea, but I don't think the States will allow you to import it. Yeah. It's basically a, just a non, non-legal non substance right now. 
there used to be a bush I knew about in Miami. I used to go down there to the Fairchild Gardens, and I think hurricane somebody or other blew it away, though. Oh man! Well, you had COVID twice. Wow. We had it right at, right in March of 2020. I got it right before I even really was aware that it was about. To, we got shut down, and I was sick right as we were getting shut down, and um. And it was, uh, I just thought I had without, the flu or without something. Without any vaccination, right? Well, no vaccination and no, um, and also no diagnosis. I was weird. I remember I was sick. Like it was, it felt like I had a really bad flu. And uh, I found out one of the mm. guys, a guy, a friend of mine had just got back from Costa Rica and I hung out with him that night and he got, he was old, he's an older guy. So he was very sick, went to the doctor, positive for COVID. I had hung out with him. So I'm like, I had the same thing. I knew it was COVID. I went to the doctor. Mm. So by, by the time I went to the doctor, which was just two days after, I was already almost better from it. And I, but I wore my mask and my doctor was just like, you can take your mask off. I can tell you right now, you don't have COVID, which was a weird thing. I was like, well, I just told you I was with somebody who has it. I was sick with a fever with that felt like uh-huh. the flu and was in bed. And you're just telling me to take my mask off and sitting right in front of you and telling me I don't have COVID without any test. And he was just like, but be careful out there because it's out there. It's just not, you don't have it, but it's, it's out there. I'm like, okay. So I went home, but yeah, it kept coming okay. back for like two weeks. I would have dizzy you- spells and then all of a sudden, and then my <laughs> wife got it and my wife got it. She actually tested positive. So I know that we had it, but, um, I was already better at that. Wow. Point. She would have spells too, where all of a sudden I would find her just passed out in the bathroom. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I, I don't know. It's just like, it was so weird. Um, so wow. It's a strange illness. It's not, well, like, it's just like a flu. Okay. Now. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> well, yeah. Listen, the I'll, I'll effects- yeah. We, that's the thing. Who we knows? don't know. Yeah. We don't know how we don't we, know. And that's what's scary. About it's it. a mystery. It, this, it, this disease. I mean, it's like, okay. We were talking about like, what is it all about? Like the crises and the politics. I mean, who knows? This is all a mystery and we're all in this mystery together. You know, we're just like watching the story unfold. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's strange. It's really, it's really been strange. And it was weird for me because I just read, I won't keep you much longer, but um, I just read Brian Greene's until the end of time. And I, and I really, it was a really, really amazing, fascinating book, but I also hated the book because it just breaks everything down into math and particles. And it took the beauty Uh-oh. out of life for a minute. And right after I got done reading that book, got COVID and got shut down. And it was just a very awkward way to go into the shutdown. Wow. It was but, um, too analytical, huh? It was too yeah. much nuts and bolts. and Yeah. And when you look at life like that, but also I just think he, I think he, for you consciousness is still never explained and i think that's the one thing you're not going to be able to explain and that that's the beauty right that we don't know what the consciousness is and i think it's going to it's something and that's why people are so intrigued by drugs and alcohol and meditation and anything that can change our consciousness because it's really fun and it's satisfying to explore endless possibilities of what our mind, you know, this metaphysical organ, not necessarily the brain, the mind is incapable of so much. I mean, we can cure ourselves of cancer if we want to. Yeah. And we can get ourselves out of this dilemma with, with the world and, and the political situation. We can, if we all just really watch our thoughts and change them when we see negatives or despair or anything that's not filled with hope. Yeah. And that's what we have to do. And for every one of us that finds that positivity and doesn't, even if you disagree with somebody, if you're not negative back to them, we can, that's, that's how we're going to heal. And remember Eckhart Tolle's when he opens up the book uh, at new earth about the flower, like a flat, the first flower that ever came into existence probably died pretty fast, but eventually they all started happening. And then it just happened all at once. The whole world just lit up. And that same thing he's talking about can happen with human consciousness. Exactly. That's beautiful. I love, I love that book. 
It's so, it's so wonderful. It just shows you that first we have to learn to love ourselves because that's really what the power of now is about, just being in that state of awareness of ourselves. And then, and only then, can we really help the world, you know, become into that place of, of magic and embracing the magic. Definitely, definitely. I think this is a good place to, to call it. But before I let you go, I have two questions. One is that art, is that your painting behind you? Yes, this is this is my painting. And this is my grandmother's weaving that's 150 years old. I'm new and old. I do visionary work. I love it. And that, I yeah. have four books out that I would call visionary books also. Yeah, You've so, read one so, of them. Yeah, tell me about your books and let's talk about where, where can people get your books. Well, I have this great website, tezalore.com spelled with one z tezza although i probably should have a couple of z's in there like t-e-z-z-z-z-a tezza because <laughs> people bastardize my name that's why i capitalized the, the z um and i have a fifth book i'm shopping it around right now it's the first time i've written a novel and it's a pretty magical novel i call it an echo fiction it's really about what we are doing here in this earth and the bottom that we are experiencing and what we're going to do about it really ends on a very positive note, very magical note. And so all those are available on my website or Amazon. And I have a, a big presence in social media. I'm all over the place, not Facebook so much, but I do have a private um, sanctuary that I call like a, a little temple of love. It's called We Are One Love. That's a private group. And then it got me to doing these nice meditations that I call mind stillers that I put up on my YouTube channel. And what's your YouTube channel? It's just Tezza. You, you type in Tezza Lord. Oh, type awesome. in the name. I'm yeah, actually, my name I'm gonna, is I'm all do some of those. Uh, I, I'd like, love to try out one of your meditations. So I'm going to do that. Yeah, mind stillers. The last one I did was for people who have trouble sleeping. There's a lot of people who just, you know, they have to have their CBD or whatever or THC even, but whatever, you know, whatever people need to get to sleep. But, but sometime you're probably going to be in a place where you don't have your aids. And it's nice to know that you can talk yourself into a nice dreamy place. And so that's what my last mind still was about. And then my husband and I have the podcast Z Lord podcast, which we've been doing for years. And that's really been fun because like you said earlier, he's pretty much of a, hardcore born-again Christian, God bless his little head, and I am a lifelong Eastern mystic, and how we came together is is really quite amazing, because we're coming from opposite spectrums of how we define the sacred, but through podcasting, we have been able to, you know, come up with the vocabulary to use, and there's a lot of people who would be interested in that, because too often podcasters are just like all about the same thing, you know, and, and this, this is a little bit of back and forth and a little bit of uh, somebody called us the George and Gracie of spirituality. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, that's great. It's pretty and, uh, funny. Yeah. And I'm going to look, I'm going to keep listening to your podcast. I'm excited to actually, because like I say, the only one I listened to, because I just found out about today was the one you did solo. So I'd love to see the, right. hear the dynamic you're talking about. It sounds really interesting. And what'd you think about that? I haven't talked to anybody yet. Who's, who's listened to that one. Um, I, I mean, it, actually, I loved it for the fact that I've been having that anxiety myself, that things are getting worse. And for, for you just to listen to someone say, Hey, I don't think it's getting worse. This could be the, the bottom that we needed to get back to, 
to live uh-huh. a, a healthier life or as a society, you know, collective life. And I just, I love that idea because I needed that. I needed to hear that, I think. Um, and I still, oh, I still, I'm, I'm still not hundred percent sure. I agree with you completely, but I, I hope that you're right. And, um, and I, I think that there's a good shot that we have a good shot humanity of, of getting yeah. out of this, but um, there's still a lot out there that's, um, that's, the political stuff is what's scary. I have a friend from Argentina and he said, this reminds him of his, of his oh. country. Um, oh my God. Argentina is really, well, it's not as bad as uh, some other countries, you know, like Russia, um, Ukraine and... well, or Venezuela, Venezuela is oh, way yeah, worse, yeah. but Argentina has, yeah, a lot of, well, anyway, we're going to Bolivia and all, all the countries that we're experimenting with, you know, another way are going back to heavy duty socialism. And so there's, there's a big shift. And you mentioned Costa Rica. We go to Costa Rica a lot. And it's it's very it's a very interesting country because it basically has has maintained the middle course and because it's devoted to ecotourism rather than industry or commercialism, it's it has this wonderful pura vida attitude. You know, life is pure. Do, don't you feel it's a very uplifting place? I've never been to Costa, Costa Rica. Rica. Oh, I th- oh, I th- you said your friend came back from Costa Rica. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, yes, I, the world I, I is definitely plan changing. on going. I um I want to go to Costa Rica for my 40th, but I think I'm doing Puerto Rico instead because I can't get enough of my friends to go all the way to Costa Rica. So oh, oh, how funny. It's pretty cheap to fly from you know Orlando or something. I'll, I'll look into it. I mean, I'd rather I, I I mean I haven't been to Puerto Rico either though, so I'm excited to see that. Yeah, so I want to go. I spent 10 years someday. living in the Caribbean, so that's yeah. my oh, yeah. stomping grounds. Yeah. You, you, you sailed around the Caribbean and and I, I wanted to talk to you about that, but you know what? I got to get to work anyway. So maybe we'll do one of these. Again I know some of the stuff that I did. Okay. Up. We'll, we'll do that we'll again. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on Aaron. I really enjoyed it. We had fun. I told yeah, you thank you so would. much for doing it. Yes. It was really nice meeting you. Thank <laughs> you so much for doing this. Okay. Take care. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Peace. Nicks. Thanks for tuning in again. If you like what we're doing, give us five stars on Apple podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter at the Peace on Drugs podcast and go to www.thepeaceondrugs.com slash subscribe to subscribe to our newsletter. And as always, we're going to let Twiggy Branches take us on out. out. You pay for what you can't. You pay for what you can't when you align yourself
for what I get. 